Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So England have suffered their first defeat under the Ben Stokes, Brendan McCullum dream team, losing to South Africa by an innings and 12 runs at Lords. We'll hear from both Stokes and Stuart Broad. And assistant coach Paul Collingwood defends opener Zach Crawley and his consistently sparse returns. And we'll discuss possible changes for England for the second test. We'll also hear from both Dean Elgar and Anrich Norkia as the Proteas extend their lead at the top of the World Test Championship. And in the final part of the show, we'll discuss the Future Tours programme after it was released this week. And Graham Smith, former South African captain, talks about the new T20 League in South Africa. He's the commissioner, of course. Plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. So England collapse on day three to lose the first test by an innings and 12 runs. It was actually the second uh, fewest overs they've faced in a test match defeat. It really was a hammering, Harmy. Um, In terms of overs, it didn't go two days. People calling it a two and a half day test match defeat, but um, they only had 32 overs on the first day, of course. So um, all in all, uh, a proper hammering. Yeah, it was a proper hammering. And, People will say, oh, we've seen this coming because of the way the brand of cricket that England want to play if they don't get off to a, a solid start when it comes to the, the batting department, then exposes our, our middle order who want to play shots. I think you've got to give full credit to South Africa. I thought they were unbelievable from literally from the very first morning, won the toss um, and the conditions suited. But I didn't think it was win the toss to win the game. There are things inside this new regime which I think if they, if they carry on going, then we're going to possibly see more days like this. We're also going to see days like we had for the first four test matches of the summer. But there was some worrying messages and worrying things came out of, of, of the England camp and what England did over them two and a half days that, that I fear going forward could have a long-term ripple effect on, on this team. Ben Stokes bowling the way he's bowling. If that's the game plan, well, then go and find a fast bowler who can do that. Not Ben Stokes doing it, not on one leg. And Collingwood saying, McCullum's even saying, we're not looking for consistency with Zach. We were looking, we know he can win games for us. Sorry, in England, first 20 overs of a test match. You need two batters that can go out there and, and basically stay there and be around and give your middle, over, middle order a chance and give them a solid start. Because we've seen so far in the last two years, England have won win from 17, largely down to the fact that Joe Root was walking in at 20 for two every single time. You can't have a game plan like that in, in English conditions. Overseas, possibly, when the, the ball gets soft a lot, a lot quicker. But when the ball's moving around a bit or the ball's doing a bit, trying to belt it out of the park or trying to hit the ball 
you know, it were big booming drives and being positive, you're going to come unstuck. And that is exactly what happened. You know, we're trying to play positive cricket against a, a 90, 90 plus mile an hour bowler in Unric Nokia. One that's Kigisa Rabada's skill set, fantastic, 89 mile an hour. And Giri is the same and, you know, not quite as good as, as Rabada, but still, it's a potent attack. And what we've done is a capitulated again. Talk about preparation, no. But nothing to do with no red ball cricket, not whatsoever. They were beaten by the better team, who had a better game plan and stuck to it. Well, it's just what Ben Stokes had to say afterwards. Yeah, it's obviously always disappointing to lose a game. But I think, you know, looking back that we just we just didn't uh, play to the capabilities that we know we were capable of producing. And just got to give credit to South Africa, the way that they came out and played. Um, they outplayed us over the, the three days, which was fine. You know, we've lost a game of cricket, but we've got two games left in the series. And, you know, our goal is to now obviously go away and win the series 2-1. England captain Ben Stokes um, talking about uh, much to play for in the rest of the series. What struck me was um, he continually... Ref- I thought he had a very good press conference, by the way. I think he spoke very well. He was articulate. Um, he had some some awkward questions. I don't think he was asked all the awkward questions. Nobody asked him about Zach Crawley. But what was really interesting to me is that he kept saying, we've lost a game of cricket. Um, you know, he made it sound a little bit like it was uh, um, a, a pub team on a, on a Sunday afternoon, and it was a test match at Lord's. And they didn't just lose. They got thrashed. And they were never really in the contest. And and, and so, I, I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, from South Africa's point of view, they just had the FTP released. They're playing less test cricket uh, in the next five years than any other major nation. Um, and you've got Ben, you know, with England playing 15 tests a year. And uh, he's saying, oh, we lost a game of cricket. You know, let's move on. Let's get over it. Anyway, this was um, what Dean Elgar had to say about uh, a memorable day for him. It was a great, great win. I didn't wake up this morning thinking that I'll be doing a presser uh, before five o'clock. <laughs> I definitely didn't think that. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty special performance. Um, squad performance. We we haven't left a stone unturned so far, and yeah, hopefully we um, don't go into a comfort zone now. And well, I'm definitely not going to make us go into a comfort zone because I know what complacency can do in international sports. So. Yeah, hopefully we uh, enjoy it. We, we need to enjoy these moments. We did it at a really unique place as well. It sold out Lords on a Friday. It's, it's pretty big and it's, it's special for a lot of guys that haven't experienced that before. So yeah, we need to enjoy the next two days and then focus on the next test. That was the South African captain, uh, Dean Elgar, thoroughly enjoying um, his day out at Lords. I, I don't know what you expect from an England captain uh, or what you expect him to say when uh, they've got rolled over, but... There were some serious concerns there, Harmi. And, you know, the whole baseball thing is a complete nonsense. It was totally irrelevant. Um, I know Ben and, and Brendan both said uh, perhaps we should have gone harder. I don't think they had a chance. I mean, I think, you you know, you had a top six. We were being beaten for pace. Yeah, and your top six were beaten for skill. And they weren't there long enough to go harder. <laughs> I, I don't know how you, can, how you can say that. I really don't. I know when Ben speaks and things haven't gone well. He he does speak very, very well. He speaks the truth. He speaks honestly. And that's what that's what you want to hear. But to say we could have gone harder, it's like you weren't there long enough to go harder. You weren't they, they weren't there long enough to go harder. Ollie Pope in the first innings was the only one that was of note was there long enough to go harder. I don't think Stuart Broad, what did he get? Stuart Broad joint top score in the second innings. He couldn't have gone any harder the way Stuart Broad bats. And the rest of them, how could you? How can you go harder? Because the ones that you didn't hit, the balls were too good for you to get anywhere near. So you can't really go harder at them ones. And the ones that you did hit, you could have gotten out for it even less. So I've seen that with a, a lot of cynical yeah, tone in my voice. But I think you've got to give yourself a chance. I, I really do. As much as, yes, this new modern way of you know, hitting the ball because we play 2020 and we play you know, that 16.4 over competition and things like that, that goes with it. Test match cricket has never changed. It's never changed. From a bowling point of view, can you put the ball in the right area for long enough to create pressure over the course of six hours if you're in the field that long? England were in the field for six hours. They had two goals at it. And from the batting point of view, can you give yourself the best chance of scoring runs, which is earn the right to score runs because people are allowed to bowl well. England weren't even in the contest when it comes to earn the right to score runs because they weren't there long enough. 
in that you can say what you want about the first four test matches. England got a solid base at the top of the order. Solid start, which gave Root, didn't expose Root, Bairstow and Stokes. Give them a chance to play their dominant game. No chance this week. No chance this week because there's no, no, no solid starts. Leaves was there for a little bit longer in the second innings, but if you're constantly 20 for two and Joe's in and the ball's moving, then I'm sorry, we were one win from 17 when, when that happened. And it's happened again this week. Yeah, Leeds made 35 in the second innings. It was dropped on four. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm sure you know the answer to it. How much red ball cricket had Anrich Norkia played in the year before the Lord's Test? Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. Nothing. Since March. You know, this is the whole nonsense about you know, preparation and red ball cricket. You know, we are very, very good at making excuses in this country. We are very good. And if you give a player a chance to make excuses, you'll find one. I was the master at it. I had key rings, T-shirts and everything with big excuse maker on it. If I could find a way of getting out of something, I would try. And England have got to suck this up because if they, keep, if they say it's no red ball cricket, there is, there is an element around the country that we could be playing more red ball cricket leading into test matches. But we've got 450 professional cricketers in this country. There's only 11 players for England when it comes to it. And if there was a red ball game before the first test match, would we really be playing in the red ball game? No, we would have been playing 100. So preparation, nonsense. Nokia and Rabada didn't play at Canterbury in that 13, 11, 13 versus 11. And these guys are skillful bowlers. Another reason, another big reason why, if you've got a game plan, Rabada and Nokia haven't bowled for a long, long time. What did Rabada bowl? He bowled 27 overs in a test match. Nokia bowled, Nokia bowled 20 overs in a test match, having not played test cricket since March. You keep them out there, they should be bowling 40 overs, 45 overs. And then you might not see them again next week or the week after. You've just get, eased them into the series. So give them a chance to make an excuse when the Red Bull stuff and they'll make it. Okay, well, just finally in this section, um, Ben Stokes wasn't making excuses for the lack of Red Bull cricket afterwards. I think if we start looking at that, I would say that you're just looking for excuses as to why he lost a game of cricket. You know, five weeks away for, you know, this group in particular playing different formats for different teams, you know, is obviously not ideal. But, you know, we've all been playing professional cricket now for a number of years. We know how to play cricket. I think if you start looking at it that way, then what we're doing there is we're creating a excuses-based culture, which we definitely are. You know, we look at this as that South Africa just outperformed us. That's Ben Stokes admitting that uh, the lack of red ball cricket leading up into the Test match, and it was only six weeks, wasn't it? Um, wasn't a long period of time that they hadn't played, but at least uh, he wasn't making excuses. <laughs> so aligned in the dressing room from the management to the players about how we operate and even like captain and coaches before me and Baz, captain and coaches after me and Baz are done, they're always going to get criticised about something about the way they play or, or everything like that and that's just part and parcel with doing this role. We've got a certain way that we want to play, we know that we can be an incredibly hard team to play against um, and just for us it's when we know that we can execute that, we're an incredibly hard team to beat. This week we haven't been able to do that and that's absolutely fine. You know, you can't be great every day. You know, this week was just off for us, but you know, we're not going to hold on to it too long and carry any baggage towards Manchester. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Mantleburn, the former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. That was England captain Ben Stokes reflecting on their innings defeat to South Africa in the first test at Lords to leave them 1-0 down in the three-match series with the second test starting on Thursday at uh, Emirates Old Trafford. OK, well, you mentioned him in the first section, Harmi. Um, let's have a little chat about Zach Crawley. Um, I have to say that uh, Brendan McCullum has an interesting media policy, by the way. Um, he's decided that he will not speak after victories but he will speak to the press after defeats. And so thus, he did speak to the press uh, for the first time after Lords. And I have to say that some of his comments um, about Zach Crawley, I thought were particularly um, toe-curling and unhelpful. And, and if I was Zach Crawley, I would have been thoroughly embarrassed by them. The tr fact is, he's averaging 26 in his 26 test matches for England, which is the lowest average for an opener sorry, the second lowest average for an opener ever 
behind Mike Brearley, who had a slightly different skill set, didn't he, yeah. as, as captain? Yeah, yeah. The the Crawley one for me, it's it's starting. You mentioned Toe Curl, and I just think it's getting cruel now. It really is. Brendan McCollum has talked about what a talent he is. There's no question the boy's got talent. You know, everybody go back to that double hundred he scored, but how far how can how far can he keep going back to it? We've seen in Australia take apart the attack off a of length. You know, Cummins here's a wood stark. He only got 60, but the thing that for me is at this minute in time, there's too much noise around it. I'd take him out of the firing line with a view that make a plan for him to get him back up to speed and back playing, hitting the ball nicely and decision-making a lot better in them first 10, 15 overs of, of the first morning of a, of a game where you're building yourself into a game rather than going trying to belt your way through it. And I think it's. I think now we are we are at that point. I don't expect him to be dropped. I think he'll play on Thursday, which I think it's. I think it's cruel because you just you're digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper for somebody who he might come out and get fifty, might come out and get a hundred on Thursday, and I hope he does because I think he's a great kid and he has got talent. But he, if the second inning shot was a shot of a man who's got. He was hoping to hit the ball as opposed to being being forceful through the ball. And that was at the point for me when he walked off in the second innings, I thought, right, he needs to be taken out now. He really needs to be taken out for his own good. This is not fair on Zach Crawley because if we keep going down this road, we might not get him back. And I think he, I, I believe he's got a, a talent that will score multiple test match hundreds from here on in. But at this minute in time, he's standing there and I don't think he knows what to do, whether to hit the ball, to defend the ball, to, to sort of bat right or left-handed. Um, and I think, unfortunately for Zach, I think it's weighing on his mind a bit. And comments like Brendan has come out with and comments that Paul Collingwood has come out with over the course of the last couple of days, that would worry me even more for, for, you know, from a, a, Zach, a Zach's point of view because I'm struggling here. And he, all of a sudden, the people are telling me that I'm going all right, and he's, um, you know, um, and they're talking about me in a positive way. Okay, well, <clears throat> McCullum said, um, I look at a guy like Zach, and his skill set is not to be a consistent cricketer. He's not that type of player. He's put in that situation because he has a game which, when he gets going, he can win matches for England. He's a talent, and there are not too many of those guys flo floating around. Um, which is uh, a staggering indictment on the, the rest of the opening batsmen in the country. I mean, what do uh, Ben Duckett and, and Dom Sibley and Rory Burns and many others, what do they make of those comments, I wonder? This is what Paul Collingwood had to say straight after the Test match. The messaging is very clear with Zach. We don't necessarily look for consistency with, with Zach. It's about match-winning performances and being able to do special things. And, you know, only, I guess, one innings ago, they, um, they had a 100 partnership against India to chase down over 350. Um, so we, we don't forget about those kind of contributions in our dressing room. And they are huge con contributions into um, winning games of cricket. So, you know, he's got a lot of talent. We, we know that. And I'm sure he's frustrated he's not getting more runs. But certainly in, in the dressing room ourselves, we're confident that he can turn things around and, um, and have those match-winning contributions. That's Paul Collingwood um, admitting that England are not looking for consistency with Zach Crawley. <laughs> not looking oh, for consistency. I've heard, it, I've heard it all now. You're not looking for consistency for your opening batsman. That's why we <laughs> were moving from 17. That's why we're 20 for three every time and exposing Joe Root, Johnny Bestow and Ben Stokes to a moving ball against Kikisa Rabada and Rick Nokia. Wow. What Brendan McCon said about Zach Crawley, I fully endorse because he is talented. His numbers, not bothered about his numbers at this minute in time. But to say you don't want consistency from your opening batsman, I'm sorry, this world has got the, the game has gone mad. If if that's the if that's the case, two players that you need consistency of is number one and number two, because in England, in a Test match for 15 overs with a brand new ball. No matter who's got it in the world, we seen Tim Murtagh. We seen Tim Murtagh knock England over a couple of years ago against for Ireland because the ball was moving, the ball was doing a bit, and we were playing away from our bodies. The two two guys you need consistency from is number one and number two because they need to be able to they need to be able to see off that new ball when it's moving. 
I'm giving up the game. If anybody tells, if anybody comes out and tells me that the way to do that is by hitting it for hitting it for sixes and fours, I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. You wouldn't. You you try. How's Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad got over twelve hundred wickets? You know because their their ability to move the Duke ball in England for the first fifteen overs and the twenty overs of a Test match is why they why have they have been so so good because the ball moves in England. If you're playing in Australia, you're playing in South Africa or the Caribbean or whatever, with a, with a Kookaburra ball or one of the other branded makes of balls that go soft after seven, eight, nine overs, then fair enough, go and belt it. But not in England. We've just seen. We've just seen. I don't think the toss was a, was the the reason why South Africa won the game. But they got conditions in their favour. They had two bowlers, three ball seam bowlers who put the ball in the right area and made the ball move. Now the positive, the positive way in that in that point of view for me, is by seeing them off, by being there. That's positive. Trying to hit it to the boundary is not positive. It's reckless, reckless. And I think a lot of England's batting at the start of these two games, of these two innings, were reckless and exposes your middle order. And if it exposes your middle order, I'm sorry, you're not getting anywhere near two fifty, three hundred. Never mind four hundred and fifty to stand at any chance of winning a Test match. Okay, can I just change the subject and go back to the third morning, Harmy? South, South Africa are seven down, and the ball is 77 overs old. A new ball is due in three overs. You've got Jimmy Anderson, the prospect of a new ball bowling at South Africa's last three. And um, instead, uh, we had Matty Potts and, and Ben Stokes running in and bowling bouncers. And we spoke to Andrew Norkia after the test match, and he knew. He said, before I even walked out there, I knew what I was going to get. I knew they were going to bowl bouncers at me, and he looks awkward um, against the bouncer, and um, he, and it's it's quite funny. He's like a cat on a hot, hot tin roof, isn't he? Leaping about all over the place, and and so I guess that's fun as a fast bowler. Thing is, he doesn't get out to it. <laughs> you can make him look silly all you like. He doesn't get out to the short ball. He knew yeah. it was coming, and I mean, what were England doing for that first hour? I just I must, couldn't fathom it. I must admit. It's a good job I wasn't in the house when that was on. I was in the car. I was driving, so I was listening to it on the radio. Then I watched the highlights again. I'm not sure how they had a telly left in my house for throwing things at it. If I'd, it was like Pretoria all over again. Me and Goffey sitting. I think we were sitting. We're sitting next to you, man. When Pretoria were bowling bouncers and we're getting whacked all over the ground, and I'm, me and Goffey are shouting at each other as well as shouting at the England cricket team. What are you doing? This is madness. You've got Jimmy Anderson with a brand new ball and he's sitting with his fingers up his backside. You have Stuart Broad, Matt Potts, bowling bouncers. And look, I have a lot to say about the way England have gone about their, their business with the ball, especially six down over the course of the last few days. The Brent, Brent Stokes is going to break. I mentioned it on the following on podcast. I watched Andrew Flintoff retire at the age of 32. Brent Stokes is going down the same road if he keeps going like that. England have got Two of the best bowlers of all time with a new ball, putting the ball in and around off stump. You do that to the top six. If you do that to the top six and you think that's your game plan and you're, get, and you're good at it, why do you do that? Why don't you do that at numbers sort of eight, nine, 10, 11 you know, with, the, with the odd bouncer? I can understand bowling bouncers. If you've got a, a bowl attack that like Michael Vaughan had with Flintoff, Harmison and Jones, who can actually bowl in excess of 85 88 mile an hour. I can understand that if you've got the South African attack of Kagisa Rabada, Unric Nokia and Lungi Ngili. But we've got different bowlers. So if this is our game plan, and it comes to back to with the batting as well, if our game plan is this positive brand of cricket and our game plan is when we get a team six wickets down, we're going to bowl at the badge, their country's badge on the top of their helmet, then we need, really seriously need to have a look at the makeup of our bowling attack. Because the makeup of our bone attack, I would I would fancy I would fancy facing bouncers off our bone attack because they're not bouncer bowlers. So if that's the case, go and find a fast bowler. Pick Jimmy Overton if that's what you want to do, but don't keep doing it Ben Stokes because if your knee does break, we don't just lose the bowling option, we lose the batting option, and we lose a fantastic captain as well. So I think there's a lot of to be said about this week, and I think we've highlighted a few flaws, but the bowling plan, if you haven't got the bowlers to bowl sort of short and be aggressive, then don't, don't do it. 
And if it means you're in the field for five, ten overs more because you're bowling at the top of the stumps and the, the tail enders play and miss more than what the top order would do, then fine, they're not going nowhere. But all of a sudden, if you're bowling bouncers and you're leaking boundaries after boundary, the lower order of getting Maharaj, 41, Maharaj. Yeah, Robata gets 20, 28. Even Nokia was in the runs. Mm. And you're going, wow. I, 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 I'm just pleased I wasn't in the house because I think every telly would have been smashed off my wall. <laughs> I was, I was, I read. I was, I was, I had road, I had road rage and not any other car was in the game. I was screaming things at the radio going, just pitch it up. Oh my word, never mind. You haven't mentioned Marco Janssen, six foot eight, bowls at uh, close yeah. to 90 miles an hour, left armour, and he scored 48 at number six. I reckon he's, and he, and he, he turned 21, like, sorry, 22 last month. He had a great um, test. He's, he's one of the, the exciting players in world mm. test cricket. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought he had an excellent test match. I thought he bowled nicely, showed good skills with the ball, and he had a game plan with the bat. That's it. I keep coming back to the fact that we said last week about their batting unit. Marco Janssen's coming at six. For, for yes, he had a good test match. And for yes, he is a talented, talented cricketer. But he's a number eight. At best, he's a number eight. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it'll be interesting uh, whether South Africa make any changes uh, for, for Old Trafford because it was always part of the long-term plan to play Simon Harmer. But uh, we'll talk about that uh, in just a moment. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll focus more on South, Af- South Africa's performance at Lords and hear from the Proteas fast bowler himself, Anrich Nop. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Yeah. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so South Africa um, had a narrow lead at the top of the World Test Championship and extended it with that uh, convincing win. And Dean Elgar, understandably, was, uh, well, he always speaks his mind. He was absolutely delighted, but also pretty um, horrified um, at the confirmation in the FTP that South Africa will play the bare minimum of Test cricket just to stay involved in uh, the World Test Championship. That's obviously not something that uh, he or the rest of the players are happy about, but uh, it's um, it's a, a consequence of South Africa clearing the, the January-February window, which was the peak international season for them, in order to play their domestic T20 league and, um, and also not playing any international cricket during the IPL. 
Um, it leaves a very, very small window for international cricket. It is sad, um, but I have to say, Harmi, that um, sceptics who wish or hope that there will be more test matches in future, okay, that, that's a, a naive and a full-on hope. I think the best that uh, countries like South Africa, New Zealand, Sri Lanka can hope for is that uh, the World Test Championship remains a thing from 2027. And, you know, New Zealand made this decision pragmatically years ago, didn't they? They only played two two test series at home um, because they also have to make their players available for the IPL window. Um, It's just just a sad reality. And, you know, while the FTP has England playing 43 test matches, um, Australia 40, India 38, the rest of the countries are going to have to play the bare minimum and hope that test cricket remains a thing. Yeah, and it's it's actually sad to see. And, you know, from someone like Dean Elgar, who doesn't play a, a great deal of, of, of white ball cricket, and there's one or two others that don't play white, white, white ball cricket, are they looking at their futures and going, well, we've seen a lot of people come into England. I know the compact rules changed now. Um, but will will more players think that if I'm not going to play white ball cricket for for South Africa, I'm going to go down the Simon Harmer route. I'm going to go down the route, and that that would be worrying from a, a South African point of view. Test cricket is it dying on its backside? It certainly looks like that outside the big three, which is a huge shame because Boxing Day Test match, Cape Town Test match at New Year, they're two wonderful occasions. They, they are, we don't just people just think. Boxing Day Test match. It's Melbourne. No, not always. It's it, it is. It's a it's a great occasion. And New Year's at, in Newlands in Cape Town. That's it's a carnival carnival atmosphere. It's a celebration. So to have that taken away by 2020, which to be fair, you could play 90 percent of the time in in a summer and still get people to come and watch it. I still think there's there's still a huge window for test match cricket to be played and it's unfortunate that yes New Zealand chose that a a while ago to make their players but their pool of players isn't as big the country of New Zealand is not as big when you look at Africa it's got a huge population and there's a lot of people play cricket in Africa and South Africa and see them only play 12 test matches over the course of the FTP it's not just concerning it's just disappointing because they're a big player but unfortunately you know, they've decided to go down the white ball route and will that ever change in that return? I ask you, Manus, do you see 12 test matches be the norm in the next cycle and in the next cycle? Um, I still think the World Test Championship will survive after this one. But going forward, do you see young budding cricketers coming through wanting to be Dean Elgar or do you see them just you know going down the sort of financial white ball route? I think the West Indies, as I mentioned last week, are are a couple of hundred dollars away from relinquishing test status. It costs them too much money. South Africa lose money when they host test cricket against anybody other than England and India. And, you know, eventually the the money man will say, look, is this a business or is it an expensive hobby in a pastime? Uh, Because if it's a business, then this five-day cricket thing doesn't fit in. And, you know, hopefully um, it, it is both. I mean, it's a, it's a passion and sometimes you have to pay uh, to pursue your passion. My question is, can the big three continue um, and can the Ashes continue almost in isolation if other countries are, are beginning not to play test cricket? Anyway, the sad thing for me, Hami, is that, you know, in years gone by, we would have looked at that South African four-man pace attack and with a very good spinner as well. And some people still think Maharaj is a bit overrated, but he's got 150 test wickets at 30. He's not doing too badly. So Rabada's just turned 27. Ngidi's 26. Enrique Norkia is 28. And Marco Janssen's just turned 22. In years gone by, we'd have been looking at that going, that is a pace attack that can dominate for the next six or seven years. They could form an era of South African domination here. But... Um, they're not going to get to play enough. Yeah, I was going to say they can they can dominate the twelve test matches. In theory, they should be fresh for they should be fresh over the course of the next five years because obviously they're only going to play the twelve games, and that's a sad thing from not just from South African for South African cricket, but I think from for world cricket as well because the, the bowling attack you've just mentioned, 
there's nothing better than watching a good bowling attack, a good bowling attack at work. It really is. It's a it's a great contest between bat and ball when you know from either end it becomes relentless. You are coming. That's why Australia are the best team in the world. one of the best teams in the world because they've got a, a bowling attack that no matter what you know what happens over the course of ninety overs, you're getting you're getting serious you know serious quality from both ends. Um, and unfortunately, uh, they get serious quality from both ends, but only three times a year. Did you feel like uh, when when you were when you were with Jones and Hoggard and Flintoff in two thousand and five? Did you were you kind of aware of of how good you were as a unit? I mean, did you feel like the Beatles out there? Yeah, a little bit. We we acted like the Beatles a few times as well, especially <laughs> after a victory. But it was no, I it, it was a joy to play in that in that team. And I think if you've got a bowling attack like that, and they are as close as what I think South Africa's players seem to be then there's no ego involved. It's just a case of how quickly can we get off this field? And that was it. Nobody was bothered about five wickets. Nobody was bothered about getting the headlines. If it was my turn, it was my turn. If it was Simon's turn, it was his turn, and we were all happy for him. Same with Hogg, same with, with, with Freddie. And it was a case of can we help each other out? You know, many times you know, you, you're helping your, your man out. If it wasn't swinging, if it wasn't swinging, Oggy Bowl, you know, out, well outside off stump to create some pressure. And if it was swinging, I tried my hardest not to scuff the ball up, but I made sure that, you know, three balls and over went past, you know, the, the batsman's left ear because I'm trying to push them back as far as I can because I'm bowling one of the best swing bowlers in the world. And you work together like that to make it relentless for, for the opposition batsman, uncomfortable for the opposition batsman, waiting for him to make a mistake. And we've seen it loads you got the bowling conditions. You've got two bowlers from one from either end putting pressure on the batsman, and you've seen the batsman not being sort of good enough to handle the heat that's in the kitchen. And when you've got an attack like that, I was part of a fantastic bowling attack. You impose yourself on the opposition. You become bigger, you become stronger, and you become powerful off the back of good performances. And and that's what that's what good. And, you, and the crowd want to see it. The crowd want to see. Top, top bowlers. Nothing better than seeing a fast bowler at work. You know, as much as as much as I was sitting there in trepidation with pads on, you're watching the likes of Brett Lee and Shoaib Akhtar, you know, Alan Donald in his time before that, when you see them on and then all of a sudden you can just sense they get one, they get two, the crowd gets going and we could be six down in about 40 minutes here because of how good a fast bowler is when he's at work. So Africa had a chance, had a chance, because only playing 12 test matches in the next four or five years, I had a chance to build something special in this bowling unit. And unfortunately, they're probably not going to get uh, to, to fulfil it. OK, well, this was what Dean Algar said about uh, the luxury of captaining um, a four-man attack like that. And then uh, straight off the back of that, we'll hear from Anrich Nokia. By no means it's the it's an end product. I want them to still get in better. Like, I need them to get to achieve more. I need them to want to achieve more. And I think once they all buy into that, which I'm sure they're doing with uh, great victories like this, um, we're going to be a pretty special bowling attack. Dean is quite straightforward. Um, if he thinks you're not bringing your A game, then he'll tell you that. So I think the whole team respects that. And um, you need someone to tell you, not someone to beat around the bush to say, oh, it's OK, it's OK. He'll tell you that's not good enough. And um, at stages, that's what happened at stages. He thought that what I was doing was the right thing. He obviously encourages, like I said earlier, for me to go out, bring energy, bowl quick. That's my job. Try and bowl quick and, and bring the energy, bring momentum to the team. Paid off today. Um, hopefully it pays off again. But yeah, he, he does encourage me to, to be myself and, and try and express myself as a bowler. So really enjoy having him as a captain. It's really nice. and. It's nice to have that honesty as well from a captain. Dean Elgar wants his four-man pace attack to, uh, to to push themselves to even greater heights. And uh, Anrich Norkia, I'll tell you what, he had quite a smile on his face and he was talking about Dean Elgar. And I, I know that uh, what he was really saying was that, yeah, you sure, you get a pat on the back from uh, Dean Elgar, but my goodness, you get a kick up the backside uh, when you're not, uh, when you're not uh, delivering your best. Uh, according to him anyway. And just to um, 
A final word on uh, South Africa's batting, Harmi. There's this uh, perception, I think a misperception, that uh, England play the, the bells and whistles, bright, exciting cricket, and South Africa play the doer, traditional type cricket. Well, Dean Elgar and Sarl Ovea um, dug in. They put on 85 for the first uh, wicket, and they don't care how dull uh, they look, as long as the ball is dull by the time they've done their job. Absolutely. And we've seen so far in this country in the first four test matches, once the ball gets to between 30 and 40 overs old, it doesn't do a great deal. It goes soft. It possibly gets changed. And you give your chance, you give yourself a chance. I'm not saying England need to play like Elgar Navir, but they have to have some respect of how good and how difficult opening the batting is in England. And that's what the two South African openers did. Seen off the new ball, got the bowlers into their second and third spell, especially when one of them's 36 and one of them's 40. And then they sort of met here at the end of the, the old ball to start a new ball and, and give themselves a chance of put the score on a board that would be competitive in in a test match. Look at this, the total. It wasn't a huge total. It wasn't a magnificent total. It was 326. But, you know, the two guys at the top of the order give, protected the middle order enough that they could go and, and, and score some runs. And unfortunately, I don't think their middle order fired, um, which was down to England's sort of persistency and skill sets with the ball in that, in that period. Um, and then what do you do when you get tired bowlers? potentially you know, captains that's chasing the game because you haven't got enough runs on the board, then you you make some you know crazy decisions. And South Africa capitalised on that just prior to the new ball and then with the new ball to get themselves in a total, which was which was obviously that was good enough to win the test match. But you know, a huge amount of credit to South Africa, the way they played. Um, you can say it was dull and boring. Dull and boring wins test matches, won that test match this week. So it was effective. It wasn't dull and boring, it was effective. It wasn't um, done boring with the ball, that's for sure. I mean, this is not a great South African team and their batting is is weak in areas. They've got a lot to prove with the bat, but uh, there's an old adage in test cricket, isn't there? Um, if you can't score a lot of runs, make sure you score enough. And they did. And largely down to the two at the top of the order, having value on their wickets when the ball was at its, at its most difficult. Okay, um... We'll mention uh, Kajito Rabala's place on the honours board. And um, as I said, uh, South Africa's long-term plan was uh, for Simon Harmer to come into the team for the Old Trafford uh, Test match because it does spin up there. But um, they're going to find it very, very difficult to, to squeeze him in now. But we'll talk about that a little bit more in part four. Just a reminder that you can uh, f- obviously uh, follow updates of the second Test match on, from Old Trafford from Thursday morning over on Talk Sport. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the one and only Steve Harmison. It's that point in the show where we talk about stories from around uh, the rest of the world. Um, Inevitably, that means T20. But before we move on to that, Harmi, just uh, Kajito Rabada has uh, now got the highest strike rate, the best strike rate of any bowler ever in Test cricket history to have taken 250 test wickets, which is quite extraordinary, striking at uh, a wicket every 40 balls. And also, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Jimmy Anderson. And let's remind ourselves of what Stuart Broad said about his uh, longtime new ball partner still taking wickets at the age of 40. It's really special, isn't it, to, to see... There's been a bit of a trend uh, to see 40-plus year old sports people still having success in the world a couple springs obviously Brady springs to mind you've got Zlatan springs to mind uh, and and Jimmy it, it proves that modern science is a huge a huge benefit in in the sporting world but you know I, I look at Jimmy and I don't he's not really changed physically since he was 35 he, he still looks uh, really young and fresh and fit and uh, he still really enjoys it, so that that's the crucial thing. Um, you know, he's he's always going to have the skill and the ability to take wickets. He just, as long as he keeps that competitive spirit and, and enjoyment, till uh, he can sort of go for as as long as he wants, really. Stuart Broad talking about uh, Jimmy Anderson, and I have to say that, <laughs> to my mind, he did look like England's uh, best bowler. Um, he was used um, a little sparingly, perhaps um, <laughs> peculiar to see that. But I mean, two two of the greats of the game. Kahisa Rabada has just turned twenty seven. But is it an exaggeration to say that he's a great of the game? No, I think he will. He will be a great of the game when 
Jimmy's only a greater again because he should, in theory, he should be finished. Um, and that's not anything against Jim. At 40 year old, you're thinking not many bowlers, fast bowlers play till their 40s. Um, but we've said loads about how good Anderson's been. I still think there's another year in him. I really do. Like I say, I've spent a bit of time with him over the course of you know, the last month and look in his eyes. I don't see a man that's retiring anytime soon. I really don't. And if England keep not using him with a second new ball, then he might have prolonged um, on his career. So days on his career. So no, I don't think Jimmy is going anywhere. I think he's, he's there to stay. I think Stuart possibly, uh, is he going to pack up at the end of the season? Um, more suited going into the media, more comfortable going into the media. There was times I thought Stuart looked as though he was he was sort of slowing down a bit. But Rabada, real wow, the, the skill set of that kid is is endless. He looks every bit as good as what his numbers numbers suggest, and he's just constantly putting pressure on batsmen. And I think because he's the amount of white ball cricket and the shortest format of cricket he's played. His ability to change length is is unbelievable. You know, bowl that full of length, bowl that sort of back of a length which sits in a little bit and also have a devastating bounce. He, he will go down as one of the greats of the game eventually when he finishes playing. But to get the numbers that he probably deserves and his skill sets deserve, he probably won't now get 350 test wickets because he won't play enough test match cricket to get there. And that that is sad because I think if he... If he was to play as many test matches as Dale, as Dale Stan, then I, I think he would surpass his 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 record as you know, South Africa's all-time leading wicket taker. But you know, we've seen what the, the future tour program looks like. Will Kigisa Rapata play 10 more test matches? I think some would doubt. Okay, let's um move on to talk a little bit about um T20, the two new T20 leagues, the International League T20 in the UAE and the South African T20 League going head to head at the same time, vying for the same airtime um in uh, in January um into early February. Uh, just before we move on to discuss more signings, uh, let's just hear from former South African captain Graham Smith, who's now the commissioner of the South African T20 League. I think it's fantastic for our game. I mean, it's uh, it's certainly going to be an investment into our game that South African cricket desperately needed. You know, I think the pressures on nations like, I guess, New Zealand, West Indies, South Africa, you know, to stay financially sustainable, to, to, to keep up with the Englands, the Indias and the world game, to stay competitive... Is, is hugely important. You know, we don't, I don't think world cricket can afford South Africa or any one of the top nations to start fading away. The standard of the game, the investment into the game. So this helps us. I think this, this benefits that. And hopefully, you know, that'll flow into the test cricket standards, the one day, one day cricket, the international T20s. The challenge, I guess, is the world game and how it balances itself. And that, I think that's what everyone's trying to figure out right now. That was former South African captain Graham Smith talking uh, to Sky Sports. And look, he is a record-breaking test captain. He made his reputation playing test cricket. He loves test cricket. It's his passion. He's being very pragmatic. He is hurting because of the situation that South Africa find themselves in now and the pressure and the squeeze on test cricket, it hurts him. He doesn't show it because he's a tough man with a, a big chin and uh, and, he, and he takes a lot of blows to that chin. Um, and But... Um, he is being pragmatic and practical. <laughs> He's trying to keep what remains of Test cricket in most of the rest of the world alive. Okay, Harmi, I've come to the conclusion that there are two Moeen Alleys because um, the UAE League continue to, to su- suggest that uh, they've got Moeen Ali and um, the Chennai Super Kings team in the South African League which is going to be based at the Wanderers, have also signed Mo in Ali. Um, and there's this tug of war going on. And I tell you what, Mo won't be the first player to be in the situation because when agents get involved, you know, they're, they're, they're going to the highest bidder. And um, it seems to me that <laughs> Moen's going to be playing in two countries at the same time. Yeah, it's wonderful if you can do it because you get paid <laughs> twice as much as, as as everybody else. I wish I wish there was two Mo and Ali's because Mo and Ali, one Mo and Ali can continue playing white ball cricket all around the world, and the other one can play Test match cricket because he would balance England's team out like no end when he when he was in England side. But is it getting out of hand? It's going to be interesting to see how these two franchise leagues work and go go together. You know, the Indian superpower seems to be South Africa. So you'd suggest they would win because if Mo and Ali had a choice, 
I'm sure Monali chooses the the South African one because well, you'd hope he would, from an Indian point of view, because if he doesn't choose that one, does that hamper what he, you know, he he does in in the IPL? Probably not. But I'd imagine the uh, the Chennai Super Kings, if they've got continuity with the group of players that they're trying to build and you know get in there under their banner. Um, they would want them to be in their franchise in South Africa. So I, I can see Livingston being the same. I can see one or two others being the same. That's why I was always intrigued by how this international league was going to work in the UAE, as well as is the reason for the amount of overseas players allowed in that league is because we are everybody's there's going to be a crossover between there and South Africa. Okay, well, Mo and Ali, Chris Wokes and David Milan have apparently signed with the Sharjah Warriors, uh, whilst uh, the Gulf Giants have uh, got a veritable England B team, um, if all these signings are, are confirmed. Chris Jordan, Tom Banton, Jamie Overton, Chris uh, Richard Gleeson, Rian Ahmed, Liam Dawson, James Vince and Ollie Pope have all signed for the Gulf Giants. It does seem crazy that uh, there are 11 or 12 overseas signings per franchise. Chris Lynn has also Kiston made up with Cricket Australia and um, and they've he's he's walked out the door. He's got with an NOC. So he signed for the Gulf Giants as well. What do you make of David Warner wanting to um, uh, have his lifetime ban on captaincy rescinded by Cricket Australia? He says he wants to have a nice, open, honest conversation with Cricket Australia. He signed a two-year deal in the Big Bash with Sydney Thunder and they want to make him captain. But at the moment, he's still got a ban on captaincy. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of water going under the bridge between you know South Africa and where we are now. I think is David Warner a better character? Is he somebody who has learned from his mistakes? Some would argue not, but I, I don't see why not. What is he gonna What is he gonna do to um, have a negative effect on the game in in Australia by being captain of the Thunder? I'm not so sure now. He's he's a bit older. Some would argue not as wise, but he's still, for me, I think you want you know, the big names to be in charge of, of teams who've got character. Uh, I, I wouldn't have a problem with David Warner being captain of, of my team because he, the passion he shows, a bit like Virat Kohli, sometimes he can cross the line. He crossed the line in South Africa and he got, you know, he got punished, big time punished, and he deserved punishing. But... I don't. I, I wouldn't have a problem with him being captain. I think he's he's somebody who would inspire young players. And again, he's not in a leadership role in Australia's national team. I don't see the problem being neck wrung down, being in charge of a group of people trying to a group of Australian players trying to make better themselves. And I think you know Warner's passion would would do a good. I agree. And I think it would be prudent of the other Australian players who were in the change room in that test match at Newlands in 2018, uh, if he was um, appeased and uh, allowed to captain the Sydney Thunder, because uh, anything that uh, limits the possibility that one day David Warner will tell the truth about uh, the sandpaper and the ball tampering scandal, because, I mean, he was he was hung out to dry. I'm no fan of David Warner. Um, I've, I've not um, uh, enjoyed a lot of his behaviour and some of the stories I've heard from other players about the things he's said and done on the cricket field make me weak at the knees. But um, uh, So I'm not a big fan, but um, I tell you what, he was hung out to dry. I mean, you know, everybody knew what was going on in that Australian dressing room. Yeah. And to, to blame him, I just think, was uh, ridiculous. Uh, just on the FTP, by the way, there were some good things to come out of it, apart from enormous amounts of test matches for the big three and not very many for South Africa. There, there were other good things. Um, Ireland and Afghanistan and Zimbabwe indeed have got some, uh, some test matches. I honestly thought that Ireland and uh, Afghanistan would just be um, honorary test playing members, you know, sort of non, non playing test playing countries, but actually they've got a dozen tests each in the FTP. That's good. That is very good. Uh, I don't think we, the ICC use Ireland enough when teams come to England. A warm-up match against England here and a test match against Ireland for every team that comes into England would be huge progress for Ireland. I think England here, the, the Lions should play a, a test match against Ireland every year, whether it's it in Ireland or in, in this country, to keep bridging the gap between 
international cricket and and domestic cricket. Um, but it's great to see that that these guys are are, are are now feeling that they belong in with the big boys and the big group. Um, it will improve cricket in their countries no end, um, as well as they're getting twelve Test matches. Why on earth are South Africa getting twelve Test matches? It makes a mockery of the whole whole thing for me. And South Africa should be part of the the big lot. And yes, this year they'll lose money hosting it, but Test match cricket needs to be still alive. And if it means ICC Bill, you know, help fund Test cricket in the middle, if they, if you want to call the big three, and then the next sort of four down, you know, ICC help fund that to keep Test match cricket going. Um, it would be nice and it would have been important, but yeah, you know, it's not to be. Um, but it's good to see that the, the smaller nations are getting you know, a chance to play test cricket. Okay, Harmi, we've gotten to that point of the show where I I, I throw five things at you and uh, you can pick and choose what you want to comment on. Heather Knight's expected a Miss England series against India with uh, surgery um, to a, that hip injury, long-standing hip injury, Nat Siver will deputise. Sean Massoud, who, of course, we've had on uh, the Cricket Collective uh, early on in the season. He made an extraordinary start with Derbyshire. He's rejected a new deal and signed um, for Yorkshire. Um, also, Derbyshire all-rounder Maddie McKinnon, his bat was deemed to be too big and in a, in a, oversized in a Royal London one-day cup game. Um, the umpires, how, how do they check it? What Anyway, it was he had too much tape on it. And Derbyshire would dock two points. My question would be, if that had been a Surrey uh, batsman or a Middlesex batsman, and would uh, would that would they have been docked two points? That just seems absolutely ludicrous to me. Mohamed Siraj has signed for Warwickshire for the remainder of the season. Kevin O'Brien has retired from international cricket. You've got just over a minute, Harmy. The bat one was hilarious. It was like his bat's too wide. I was again, I've played a lot against a lot of players whose bats are too wide, and. And it, it wasn't young McKinnon from uh, from Derbyshire. That no, I agree. If it, the answer to that question, Surrey Middlesex, no, they wouldn't have getting done. So, smaller county again. Masood, what a signing, Goffey. That is a great signing, Sean Masood. Um, I know Darren's been looking for an opening batter for a, a, a while now, um, and he's got one of he's got one of the best in the domestic business. So, um, so that's a, a good signing. England not getting a medal in. The uh, Commonwealth Games, I think, was largely down to the fact that when you lose a player, the quality of, of Heather Knight and captaincy, then uh, and it was always going to have an effect. So we wish Heather well in her in her recovery when it comes to you know getting back on the field. Kevin O'Brien's had a, a fantastic career for Ireland, and it's great to see the Duracell battery, Mohammed Siraj, in English cricket, playing in county cricket. He was meant for county cricket. You're made for first-class cricket in England. Every every sort of every other day, having a bowl, running in. I, rem- I remember. Can you remember Doug Bollinger, who came from? <laughs> he came over from Australia. We played him first game of the season at Worcester on an absolute shirt front, feather bed, balding bounce above shin high, and he ran in for the boundary. And there was a few cynical old men, myself. Dale Benkenstein, Otis Gibson, Michael, Michael DiVanito wasn't in this conversation because he was busy belting them at the time. We're going, if he play, if he's still bowling like that in June, I'll eat my hat because he ran in for miles and he had this huge amount of energy. And I was thinking first-class cricket's going to break you. It'll not break Mohamed Siraj, but it's great to see an, a fantastic Indian bowler coming over. Finally, how old does it make you feel that Dale Benkenstein's son is playing county cricket? It makes me feel very old. Saying, <laughs> I, I just, I just see, you know, look around the dressing room. Um, we're a great kid, a huge amount of energy, and he had a great game the other day. He got, you know, three or four wickets, and then he he went and got fifty, and he's he he looks as always a chip off the old block. You know, somebody that finds a way of of contributing in a game, both with bat and ball. Um, and if if he's got half a mentality toughness and mentality about the game that his dad had, he's got he's got a chance because his dad was a his dad was still for me one of the best captains I ever played for. And up there in the top three, one of the best blogs I ever played with. Dale Benkenstein is a is a great man. And you know, Luca, you know, he he's he started well for Essex. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available as always via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. And 
We'll be back next week to look back at the second test between England and South Africa at uh, Old Trafford. But for now, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 